Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We are continuing in this series. In fact, I'm going to read the end of chapter 3 just for context because he really, it's a smooth transition. Uh, verse 26, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus or through the faithfulness of Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he's no different from the slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he's subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of this world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive the full rights of sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. That's good news, guys. I mean, really, that that passage is uh, it, it's again summing up what we've been talking about in this series. And I want to just, uh, because of this whole Galatians series, it's just layer upon layer upon layer. He doesn't just leave everything behind in chapter 1. He's building and telling a story and how we're a part of a story. And so I'm going to just kind of run through. In the first week, we talked about uh, the Gospel. Just that Jesus Christ came to to forgive us of our sins and to redeem us from this present evil age and bring us into new creation and into life. That's a theme he's going to unpack all the way through the, through, the, through the whole letter here to the Galatians. And the powerful thing is Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected from the dead means that he's not only the Messiah for Israel, but he is the Messiah. He's the king. He's the Lord of the entire world. And he brings all nations together in one body in him. The walls are down and we are one in Christ. That's, it's just really, it's really awesome news. And what that means is that there's not many tables, but there's one table. There's one table. Paul's really serious about this because when we start differentiating who gets big F fellowship and who's just kind of lesser than, they're little bitty F people, you know, that's not going to work. That's a different gospel. And so I confronted Peter to his face about this table thing. It's huge. There's one table. Remember last week we talked about, Kim and I saw the biggest table we'd ever seen in our lives in Dubai in the mall there. Probably had a quarter mile long, thousand people at one table. Well, there's coming a time when we're all going to be at one table and we want to recognize that future and bring it into the present right now by acting like people that are actually one. Even though we have all these differences and backgrounds, we want to act like and be like and live out of the oneness that we have uh, in Jesus Christ. And it's because of Him we talked about also the faithfulness of Jesus Christ is the key. When you take all the things we believe, all the doctrines and opinions and all these different things, and you just compress that down into its just absolute, most resolute center core, it's a person. Jesus Christ, the person. 
It's the person. It's his faithfulness. It's not how strong is our faith. Do you have enough faith? Can you hit the country fair hammer enough to put that way up there into, you know, like super disciple faith? It's because of Jesus. Jesus has done it all. It's his faithfulness. Praise the Lord. And so last week we then talked about the, the one family, the one story, the one baptism. Gonna, I think we've got five baptisms today that I know about. Several are college students. I'm excited about that, you guys. It's really, really cool. And, and uh, so we're building again on these layers. And today we're talking about the identity of God's people. Um, there's a famous story back from the second century about a, a rabbi named Akiva. And he was walking one morning deep in thought, and he didn't even realize on the road he was coming up on a Roman garrison. And suddenly the guard standing on the wall said, who are you and where are you going? And he said, uh, what? what? What did you say? He said, I said, who are you and where are you going? And Akiva just looked kind of confused for a second. And then he looked back up at the guy and he said, how much do you get paid to do that every single day? He said, well, I get a denarius a day. And Akiva said to him, I will pay you two denarius every day if you'll stand outside my house and ask me that question when I leave each morning. That's an identity question. Who are you and where are you going? Those are questions for us. Who are we and where are we going? Because it really does shape, you know, our whole life. It's vision that shapes what we end up saying yes and no to. Without vision, Proverbs 29, 18 says, Without vision, people cast off restraint. They, they, they So I'm just floating along. I can just drift wherever I want to go. But with vision, I say yes to certain things and I say no to certain things so that I can live into what God's called me to do and to be. And the same thing is true for us as a people. <clears throat> Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus, in John chapter 8, it's, it's the same kind of deal. He's having one of the most intense arguments that he has with the Pharisees in the entire Bible. John 8. I mean, it's it's on. And he ultimately says, before Abraham was born, I am. He knows who he is. And they were saying, you you don't, you don't, uh, the the Messiah doesn't come from, we we know who you are. We know where you came from. He goes, you don't know who I am and you don't know where I came from, but I do. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. It's a powerful statement of identity. Jesus knows who he is. He knows where he's going. And Paul, in the same kind of vein, is trying to help the Galatians understand who are you? Where are you going? What's your identity? Um, you know, what's your story? What's your purpose? Go ahead and flash. I'm going to keep, I don't know if I keep using them every week, but these reframed pictures, if you would put that up. We put this up last week and and ultimately, we want to be people that frame our lives everywhere we go through the lens of the crucified and resurrected King, Jesus, who is the Lord of the entire world. So hit it again. Just as we're walking through life, here it is, you know, just we're walking down the street or hit it again. Just in the big picture, the way we see life, we want to look at it through the lens of the story, through the lens of Jesus who is the Messiah, who is our King and our Lord. And Paul is trying to help them see the blessings of living into this story, the riches of living into the story of God. He's trying to help the Galatians see layer upon layer, who are you? What's your identity? What's your story? What's your purpose? Where are you going? And here's the main thing. 
We've been rescued from this present evil age through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in order to live as sons and daughters in God's family and God's freedom together. So we're going to take another swing at a few more of these verses here. I mean, the, the, the piece where Paul in uh, Galatians 2.20 is huge. I mean, you gotta, you got to preach that big time. I've been crucified with Christ. But this next section that we're on right here is also really huge. That we're sons and daughters. That, we're, that the family God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through Jesus has brought us into the family of God. Isn't that awesome news? And by His Spirit, we're able to go like Jesus Father. We get to participate in His life and in His relationship with His Father. So God's family is this first piece. We're sons and daughters in God's family. And the contrast there is that we're sons and daughters and not slaves. That's the contrast. And He does not want us to go back into slavery. In Christ, we've been given rights. We've been given relationship. We've been given riches all in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's like what Paul does here is another announcement of the Gospel. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son. So what does that remind you of? Jesus steps onto the scene in Mark chapter 1 and He says, the time has come. Right? Mark 1.14, 1, 1.15. Uh, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So Paul's doing basically something simple. He says, uh, similar. Uh, but when the time had fully come, God sent His Son. Born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. The point is that then by the Spirit, we can say, Abba, Father. We get to participate in the, <clears throat> in the Son's relationship with the Father. In the Father's relationship with the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just, it's, yes, it's so good. And, you know, right here at the beginning, this is the first, most scholars believe, this is the first letter written in the New Testament. Now, as somebody who did a little bit of study about the Trinity, um, just worked on that a little bit and studied the church fathers. And I mean, it took them three, four centuries. And then they started coming out with these definitive statements about the triune relational God of love and the, the, the divinity of Christ and the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, these different key creeds developed by the church. But you don't have to wait three or four centuries to see the Trinity in the first letter in the New Testament. It's like black and white. Here it is. God sent His Son, born of a woman. The Father sends the Son. And then verse 6 because your sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And so our understanding of God, the way we understand God to be, is going to shape the image of God that we live into. Does that make sense? So if we understand that God's a family God, that from before eternity, before, before creation, in all eternity, He's the Father loving the Son in the fullness of their shared communion and love in the Holy Spirit. That's just like, that's going to shape the way I think about love as a person. That's going to shape the way we think about our identity as God's people together, who we are and where we're going. It's going to be core. We're sons and daughters in a family. And because that's the image of God, when we sense family, that 
that pure tone going off in our hearts of community and family, it's because we're made in the image of the relational God of love, the family God. It's just huge. That vision's going to shape us that we are one family together. And that's why Paul is arguing so passionately against those who would separate that family. I mean, part of there being one table is because there's one family. When it's not two families. There's one table means one family. And that's such a, a powerful vision, picture. And they had such a history. Think about this. The Jews had such a history, 1,400 years of separation, of being marked out by the law that said we're different from all the nations. Pushing back the chaos. We're different from everybody. And now Paul is emphatically saying we're now one. Which is just amazing. Even in other places, Paul says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. Isn't that wild? Like he's so bought into his new identity in Christ that he's going to still try to reach the Jews, but he's going to become like them. He's, he's, he's a part of this one worldwide multi-ethnic family in the Messiah. And, but to, to try to reach them, he's going to become like them. Even though he's the Pharisee of Pharisees and as to legalistic righteousness, faultless, right? That's, that's who Paul is. So all of that is just a, it's a, it's a big deal. This history of separation. I, I came across an ancient prayer, and you may have heard this before because it's famous, an ancient Jewish prayer in which the men pray, God, I thank you that I was not born a Gentile or a woman. Isn't that heavy? That, and the point is, there's, there's a separation there. That I wasn't born like the other nations or I wasn't born like the other gender. So it's a, it's a big deal. I've been listening this week to on Audible a book uh, by the title of The Color of Compromise. The Truth About the American Church's Complicity in Racism by Jamar Tisby. And, you know, it's just been, it's amazing to me how much I didn't know. Just, and how much complicity there has been by the American church down through just just whether it was in our constitution and creating uh, a, a designation for people that only count for three-fifths of a person. You know, I mean, that's a dehumanizing piece of, you know, toward part of humanity that's built into our constitution and the church not rising up. It's easy to just be quiet when it would otherwise make us tense or uncomfortable or something. God, may the Lord help us to live more into the reality that Paul is talking. I mean, this is not like a, a peripheral thing. It's the first letter written in the New Testament. He's coming out guns blazing and saying, we're one people. All the races together. One, one, all the ethnicities. There's a better word to use there. Ethnicities. And what does it mean? Where does it go? And I, I mean, I don't totally know where all it goes, but I know that there's some waking up that I have to do. That we're called to as we wrestle through just what that means. And again, I've been sharing the stories, but God is moving even right now. Just in these last few weeks, the Lord's doing a number of different things in this area, even while oddly I'm preaching Galatians. Just different pastors from the city calling saying, Jamie, we've got to do stuff. We gotta get together. We gotta pray. We gotta eat meals together. And I'm like, let's do it. 
Amen. I am in. I'm in. So, a big deal. I think that some of us, maybe practically, are called to be bridge builders. Bridge building people between ethnicities. And I believe that this church, we're not there, but we're called to be bridge builders between the denominations, between the different ethnicities. And not that everybody would be us at all, but there's a lot of people that aren't connected to any kind of church that need to see the, that this is one table. This people in Christ Jesus together is a one table people. Okay? So God's family. We're sons and daughters in God's family together and in God's freedom together. It's the second piece there. Freedom. And again, the contrast here is between the, the freedom that comes with the Spirit versus the lack of freedom that comes with the substitutes. And that's when we get our circle down and we say it's Jesus plus whatever our substitute is there for instead of just trusting in Jesus alone. Does that make sense? So it could be for the Jewish people, it's the law, the Jesus plus the law. And for us, uh, what was the thing we talked about last week? Uh, Jesus plus uh, being right. Yes. Uh, being right. Just that I'm I'm. I'm more right, I'm more right, I'm more right, I'm the rightest one of all. And, and, and so I've got these 30 things that I just really go in my circle with Jesus. And not 35, because those, those other five I'm not as strong on. And not 60, but you might have, somebody's got 60 is like really the rightest one of all. You see what I'm saying? It's like we, it's so easy for us to substitute the freedom that comes in Jesus with the Spirit of God with things that we see ourselves doing well, or being right about, or being more right than those guys down the street. And those things create fractures and divisions in the body of Christ. And they're, they're, uh, whenever we put something in there with Jesus, ultimately, it's going to become an idol to us. It's, it's something that you, you, can't, you can't stay alongside Jesus. Jesus has got to be first. First and foremost. Most center, most center, more centered than anything else, Jesus. So I'm just trying to say that so that we get it. Paul is switching metaphors here. He's been talking about the law being a, a tutor. Remember, I was talking last week about being the kid, you know, just ADD, being led along by it's Jewish people being led along by the law. Now he's switching metaphors and he talks about the basic principles of the world, the basic elements of the world. The Greek word is stoikia. Stoikia. And it just hits those those just basic foundational things that really so often really do become idols in our lives. Money. Sex. When the, those things get out of proportion in our lives and they get in there and they become like idols. This strong man in our lives that, that becomes like a substitute for the Spirit of God. Money. Sex. Power. Influence. You know, that's not trusting in Jesus. That's not, like we said... Um, relying on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Unchecked, that's exactly what those things do. If they're unchecked in our lives, it doesn't mean that they're always wrong, but if they're unchecked, they become idols. They, they just, they, they gravitate. That's the, so he's, he's changing, uh, metaphors here. Uh, just a real practical one that Kim and I have been talking about is, what's the phrase we, we use? Hyper commitment to hobbies. Hyper commitment. That's like, my kids are going to do it all. They're, they're going to do it all, and I'm going to drive myself ragged all over the city, 
to, so I, because I've got this deep-seated fear internally of missing out on whatever it is they're supposed to enjoy in life. And we can't do it. We can't keep up with it. And so Paul goes on to them later there in verse, uh, verse, losing the verse. It says, now that you're known, verse 9, or rather known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles, these basic elements of the world that we talked about, principles of the world that we talked about there in verse 3. But God sent the Spirit of His Son who brings freedom into our hearts. That's the key, is the freedom that God brings. Paul's later going to say, what happened to your joy? You've gotten, you put some other stuff there in the circle and it's just killing your joy. You, you used to be joyful in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. But part of us choosing to give idols a place in our lives is that we lose the joy of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Just, so what happened to your joy? He goes, man, I want Christ to be formed in you. I want you to live in the Spirit. I just feel like I'm giving birth, he says. I'm in the pains of childbirth until Christ Jesus is formed in you. That's the goal for all of us, that Christ would we would be conformed to His image, that Christ would be formed into that likeness and that, that image. And he goes on, and he has a rather intricate kind of uh, a couple metaphors here that he talks about there at the end of chapter 4 with uh, Hagar and Sarah because these, these Judaizers that were coming in, they were coming from Jerusalem. And they were making an appeal that, hey, we got this from Jerusalem. So Paul gives this illustration where he goes, well, Jerusalem is like Hagar. And Hagar's like the slave woman. And there's gonna, she doesn't get a part in this covenant that's coming. And so the, we're a part of, in Jesus Christ the Messiah, the heavenly Jerusalem. And there's so many allusions there. Psalm 87, Isaiah 54 is being talked about. But we're citizens, it, it, he talks about it in Philippians 3 as well. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're living out of that place of life right here on the earth in a way that expresses that, uh, that reality. And see how he kind of supersedes, they're, they're appealing to Jerusalem. He's going, no, that's the old covenant. I'm appealing to the heavenly Jerusalem. The one that at the end of time is coming. New heavens, new earth, the, the new Jerusalem coming out of, out of the heavens and there'll be no more separation between heaven and earth. Is everybody tracking on that? It is for freedom then, he says, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And he goes on and he says, look, the main thing that counts, it's not circumcision or uncircumcision. Just those are old categories. What matters now is faith in Jesus. And what He's done. The faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Put your trust there. And now you can live this out in love. This is what matters. Love one another. Serve one another. I mean, it's kind of interesting hearing him, hearing him say, I wish these guys that come from Jerusalem and trying to get you to be circumcised so you can be a part of their little party, their sectarian group. You can be a part of this thing. He goes, I wish they'd go the whole way. Well, everybody's got the knives out. I, I'm like... It's inspired. It's, it's out there. But here's the thing. He lands the plane. He says, you, my brothers, are called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, here's the point, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And don't come up with ways to, to, to do your flesh stuff. Instead, 
Love one another. Don't bite and devour each other. You'll be destroyed by each other if you do that. So, the foundation of this whole story is the crucified and resurrected Lord. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the true Lord of the world. He is, you guys, this is not new, but I'm going to say it again, He is the absolute center of reality. He is the truth. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. To see Him is to see God. There's not another God that we come up with behind the God that's revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. To see Him is to see the Father. To show us the Father. Philip, you've been with me all this time. You don't know that to see me is to see the Father. No one's ever seen the Father but the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So, there's in all of our theological complexity and all of our studying of the Bible, Jesus must remain at the dead center of everything for us. He is how we understand God. He is how we understand the Bible. It's not Jesus and oh, by the way, there's this other God back over here in the corner that I know some more about that other people don't know. Or, and this is the arrogant part of it, is that Jesus is how God has chosen to reveal Himself to us. And says it explicitly to, to us, to all of us. There's, there is no unchristlikeness in God at all. So just, just absolutely huge. He is our deliverance from sin, from death, from bondage, from this present evil age. So that we say, I've been crucified, not as like a super Christian kind of statement, but the fact is, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And every broken, hurting, wounded place where we need to grow out of and into, let that be the thing that marks us. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Lord, let me see that. Open my eyes to truth. The life I live in the body, in the flesh, I live by faith in the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me. And gave Himself for me. It's no longer I, but Christ. Everyone in Him. Everyone, like we're about to see in these next two services, clothed in Christ. Baptized in Him. One new family. One Gospel. One people. One story. You know, in Luke 24, Jesus appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And He could have just gone, Hey, it's me! But he doesn't. He begins telling a story. And he walks them through the Scriptures in a way that tells the story about himself. Why? I don't know all of it, but I think part of it is because we're a story people. We've got to see how we fit in to the story of God. We've got to see how all that's gone before are like parts of a play that we're a part of that same play. And we're living in ways now that reflect what's gone before but point toward what's still coming. And that's, that's who we are. That's our story. And God has made humanity to be His own people and to live that story. That means who we are, where we've been, what's our purpose, where are we going. All those things are just absolutely huge. Put the pictures up again if we could. God knew we needed family. God knew that we needed a way of framing our lives in Fort Worth, Texas, whatever little town you live in around, but framing our lives in a way that we see life 
through the lens of the crucified and resurrected Son of God, who is the true Lord and King of the world. Man, that just it changes everything. So let's, you guys, let's broaden the table. Let's open our let's lift up our heads and begin to think about who belongs at my table with me. And I mean, we may not be able to change everything that happens in the city, but I want to say, but doggone it, I, I just whatever the right phrase is there. But ah, uh, can't we start here? Can't we start right here and cultivate new stories of our own that are in line with this story, that are shaped by this story? Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier. Some of mine right now, the fresh ones, are with other pastors because that's kind of a bridge building area that the Lord's. And I don't even know where it goes. But man, I, I want it. I want to see it. I want to be a part of a people that see a future that's more than where we're at now. That's a, that we see this. You know, I say it sometimes and it's, it's exciting. But I mean, really think about being a multi-ethnic, epicenter, life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting, Father's love receiving, Holy Spirit empowered in freedom kind of church. That's what we want to do. Lord, would You just give us grace where we see each other as sons and daughters. Every single one of us as sons and daughters that matter in the family of God. The people of God. On the mission of God. For the glory of God. Let's stand up. You know, throughout this series and especially even today again, we are touching on some really big themes and maybe the Lord's doing something on the inside where you go, man, I want to pray into that. It could be about diversity. It could be about there being one table or about our, our unity, our oneness in Christ, any of those kind of things. If you need to get prayer about that stuff, you know, there's guys that they want to pray for you. Pray for a breakthrough. If you need to be baptized, if you've never been baptized in Christ, then you know we can do it at least by one of the next services, for sure. I mean, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? There's, there's water right here. And we're going to be doing that. It's going to be a, just a party, these next two services. But and just again, I know that we all come in with different needs. Please get prayer. Get somebody to pray with you, maybe up here at the front or just close by. And just, just believe God for breakthrough right now, right? Father, would you meet us here? Would you bring salvation to our hearts, to our thinking? Lord, would you bring freedom? And a, that sense of family that's because of what you, Jesus, have, have done. Would you release the spirit of sonship in our midst? That Just that beautiful affirmation, that knowledge, that unshakable knowledge that we're loved by our Father. That spirit rising up within us that says, Abba, Daddy, Father. And that we're being brought right into the Son's relationship with the Father and the fullness of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, you guys, be bold. Come and get prayer. Let's press in. we got some time this morning. Let's go for it.